Why you always? Nailed it. it. sounded, like, great. Did it? Yeah. That's good. I was concentrating more on yours than mine, so I hope I did it all right. <laughs> Close enough. Welcome to Movie Boners, everybody. Thank welcome. you for joining us again. Yep. Yep. Hopefully again, if it's your first time, welcome for the first time. <laughs> if this is your first episode, I hope you watched the movie. <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's a good point uh we'll get into that in a second though at the top we always talk about the beers that we open yep um i got one that's relatively appropriate to the episode today so i took a gamble because this is the same brewery one or two times ago that had that um, asparagus beer oh man the first beer that yeah i got to watch you just be like no yeah i did not like that one it tasted so weird um but this one, so it's from the Sparge Brewing Company in Wellington, Colorado. It's called An Amber of Perspective, and it's an hey. amber ale, and uh, it's actually really good. Well, that's kind of funny, because I'm drinking an amber ale as well. Nice. Uh, mine is not... There's there's no connection to the episode. It's just <laughs> a new beer. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, I am drinking... Scratchin' Hippo. Oh, nice. Brew down here in Austin uh, by, oh, the same brewery that one or two times ago for me, the Edelbert's Brewery. I've got a weird glare going on. You do have a, I'm not going to lie, there was a split (laughs) second there. I was going to like try to block the light (laughs) to help you. I appreciate (laughs) it. It's like, can't do that. That's not how (laughs) light works now. No. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> if we were in the same room, maybe, but... Yeah, not so much. No, no. It's pretty good. I really That's like good. this one. Yeah, I like this one a lot, too. It's a good season for Ambers. Mm. It's getting yeah. hot out. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> you guys have been in the hundreds. Yeah, we had, uh, we've been close, and I think we went over one or two days. I saw Denver... Somebody said the other day that it went over 100 for like three days in a row, which is like only like the sixth time that's ever happened in the, the entire history of the city which seems yeah. crazy to me well i had to laugh so we've been in the hundreds uh-huh. for a week now yeah no rain no breeze <laughs> hundred plus degree weather <laughs> yeah classic texas right well what's funny to me is like i've been thinking about it every day that i go and get in the car and i'm like running errands or going to work mm-hmm. i'm like man Back in Colorado, it'd get up to like 85, 90, and I'd be mm-hmm. fucking dying. Just like, <laughs> screw the heat, it's horrible. I'm down mm-hmm. here driving in 100 degree weather, and I'm like, it sucks. <laughs> but I don't feel like I'm dying. That's good. But I do drink way more water than I've ever <laughs> drank before in my life. That's also good. <laughs> Very important to stay hydrated. Oh my god. <laughs> I'll drink like I have this huge uh I wanna say it's like sixty ounce water bottle or something like that. Mm-hmm. I'll drink like three of those just on a wow. hour long drive. <laughs> just That's that, crazy. The amount of water bottles that are purchased <laughs> down here is unreal. <laughs> yeah. I believe it. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah. 
Well, thank you, Wandering Lion, for our beers. Mm-hmm. Um, go check out wanderinglionstudios.biz and Wandering Lion Studios on Facebook and Instagram. They're yep. pretty great. They always have Movie Madness Mondays and Trivia Thursdays, which is always a lot of fun. Especially I, when the redemption <laughs> is here. <laughs> you're raising your arms victoriously. You're trying to make up for that last Dude, two, two weeks, weeks in ago. a row I've gotten it. Come on now. It's almost a streak. I gotta I'm I gotta get that back up, you know? It's, yeah. Yeah. Reclaim your former glory. That's right. Bastards <laughs> trying to so trick if, me. If you want to go and guess the correct movie on Thursdays before Dustin does, you better go give uh, Wondering Line a follow. Yep, yep. You got to do it fairly quick because I... You're always on top of it. I'm, I'm answering fairly early every yeah. time. <laughs> I think there's only one time that I went there and you hadn't answered yet, and I think it was the one that you were stumped by. Yeah, and you even made it a point of like, I'm beating Dustin to the answer. <laughs> I'm just throwing a movie out. And then you were right with your guess. Of course I was. Shut Still up. hold my own. <laughs> so, uh, you mentioned it earlier, this episode is uh, uh, one of our deep dive movie dissection episodes where we're going to get focus on one movie and spoil the shit out of it. So That's right. Hopefully you all have seen it. If not, we'll give you a little bit of an opportunity to stop and go watch it. Right. Uh, the movie's been out for 11 years now, so yeah. hopefully audiences have watched this. Yeah, if for some reason you missed seeing Shutter Island, you missed out on a lot, because it is honestly one of the best movies of all time. <laughs> I adore this movie, and uh, you need to go see it immediately if you haven't. It is a mental trip mm-hmm. that just, goddamn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's crazy to me um so obviously leonardo DiCaprio and martin scorsese work together a lot it's insane to me that this is the only movie that didn't have any sort of uh, oscar nominations right and they had like i think there are five or six previous movies or previous and post movies all of their other movies have had several nominations including best pictures best picture this had zero yeah. Uh, I kind of have a theory as to why. I think I know why, but only because I looked it up. Oh, I didn't look it up. I'll test you then, because I know um, the answer. No. I want to know what you're going to say. I don't want to be tested. No, I was going to say because it's the Academy uh-huh. doesn't typically like to nominate films that are like borderline horror Mm -hmm. or thriller they get real kind of averse to doing that uh so that was kind of my i like what i thought and then as you're nodding your head as i'm completely wrong yeah um, uh, (laughs) (laughs) i mean you're not completely wrong because the academy definitely does not care for that kind of stuff and this is on the darker side um in that respect but at least what I read, and obviously I don't know, I'm just repeating things that I saw on the internet, could be wrong. Um, the main reasons seem to be that it was originally intended to be released in the fall, like in October of 2009, and then uh, Paramount didn't think they could afford another Oscar push because they were going to make it like an award season movie for sure. And then they, they were also promoting 
up in the air and the lovely bones and they didn't think they could really afford a third promotional movie for the oscars so they pushed it to february of the next year 2010 well that was going to be my second guess until i saw you nodding of saying uh (laughs) it's release timing may have Mm -hmm. messed up its chances which is kind of dumb to me yeah if it's the best movie of the year (laughs) you would think if it's the best movie of the year it would be the full year not like october november december right (laughs) that's it the the whole like campaigning and political aspect to the oscars Mm -hmm. is so well award season is so goofy to me but yeah and how much you have to pay to even be considered right you you can't be you can't win but just based on merit which is pretty lame how dare us thinking that you need to earn your win (laughs) (laughs) it's almost like awards should mean something but whatever (laughs) but we digress so we digress uh yeah so because shutter island is such a heavy thriller mystery movie uh there are going to be a lot of spoilers and so if you haven't seen it definitely stop go watch it now if you like thrillery mystery things it's one of the best it's so good it's uh it's one of those movies that pretty much demands multiple viewings Mm -hmm. and i've got one of my favorite things that i'll bring up in a little while about the multiple viewings i i personally feel Mm -hmm. it's very important to do Mm -hmm. on like your second or third watch um but man, that first time seeing this movie, you were like, I remember being so thrown off because I loved it, but the editing seemed weird. There were some very obvious like mm-hmm. continuity errors. Mm-hmm. Again, watch it numerous times, and it right. all comes together. Yeah. <laughs> what seem like continuity mistakes are 100% intentional and tell the story from another perspective, which is pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. I, it actually... I saw, I think, a couple of times in the theaters and loved it and took the story as like the most basic way. And then I saw it at home, I think for the third time and saw the ending. And I was like, wait, what? This whole movie just completely (laughs) changed for me because I realized what's actually going on, what I think is actually going (laughs) on. It is a little open interpretation, but for me, it's pretty obvious. To me, it's very obvious. Yeah. I'm pretty it's just, sure we agree, but we'll get to it. It's just kind of subtle, I guess, more subtle than I'm used to movies being. And so I think for a lot of audiences, when it doesn't exactly tell you what just happened, um, it can be missed for sure. Yeah. So yeah. watch it at least once before you come and hear all the spoilers and then watch it again. Um, yeah, this. Okay. You hear about actors or filmmakers talking about they want their actors to to act with their eyes like we need to show a lot of stuff with just the eyes Mm -hmm. shutter island might be the perfect example of how to do all of that yeah because quick glances little Mm -hmm. eye squint like it's all there for everybody in this movie (laughs) yeah yeah if you really pay attention to the characters and after you've seen it once you know their motivations a little bit better and you yeah you definitely are like look focusing on that person they glance at this person and that means something huge and that you totally missed the first time (laughs) so yeah very incredible yeah shutter island was 
Now, I like movies that go against the grain where they don't try to mm-hmm. give you like a uh, a complete happy ending or a hundred percent resolution. I like movies like that. I like movies mm-hmm. where characters are kind of put through the ringer quite a bit. Um, so I remember watching Shutter Island in the theater and just the whole time being like, man, it's got a heavy Cape fear aspect, like kind mm-hmm. of feel to it, which makes sense. Cause that's also Scorsese. Yeah. Uh, well, his remake with De Niro. Right. Um, and I really like that. And then as the movie progressed, the more I started realizing like, oh my God, this might be one of Scorsese's darkest movies mm-hmm. ever. <laughs> like, yeah, this is incredible. <laughs> yeah. It has a lot of those kind of dark overtones. Um, very much like Cape Fear, but also um, I read a thing that the opening like sound song that you hear over the title and the sound cards is taken from The Shining. It's like a sample yeah. from The Shining. And then I read that Scorsese as like giving people the cast and the crew kind of a, a feel for the tone. He exposed them to a couple things like very classic thrillers like Vertigo and yeah. and and things like that. So yeah, very heavily influenced by those thrillers. Uh, you brought up the score. Yeah. Oh, the score is absolutely incredible. One of my favorites. <laughs> Dude, that score. Like, it's unnerving, and it makes way more sense when you know that it's yeah. sampled from The Shining. Mm-hmm. Because that's one of the most unnerving movie scores of all time. But yeah, you hear this one, and it's just like slow shots of the mm-hmm. island. You hear just the, I'm not going to try to do it, but just that like couple yeah. notes. <laughs> yeah, Because that's all it is, is just couple notes yeah (laughs) it's and it's that same sort of like deep cello kind of like jaws almost just slow and ominous and i love that yeah it's it's genuinely haunting Mm -hmm. and then when they do it right as like the very very end of the movie Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know the screen fades and you get it again you're just like (laughs) (laughs) yeah absolutely I think another great reason that it it just feels so good from a like you mentioned Scorsese and how it could be his like best most dark kind of movie. Yeah, we mentioned it a little bit in the the gangster episode because we talked about Scorsese a lot, obviously. Um, but I think for any kind of young aspiring filmmakers out there that are curious about how pacing should be or what good pacing is. Just watch Scorsese. Watch all of Scorsese because he is the most perfect pacing constantly. I think that's like one of his best traits. Yeah, he does a really good job of even like scenes where not a lot's happening. Mm -hmm. uh, He's able to keep things going really well. I think what I notice a lot is you'll be watching his movies and all of a sudden you realize like, holy crap, I've been watching this thing for a couple hours, mm-hmm. but you don't feel like it's been a couple hours. It doesn't feel like right. anything's dragged. It, Yeah, I agree with you. He's one of the best when it comes to mm-hmm. keeping things rolling, that pacing of the film and the mm-hmm. story. It's, man. <laughs> <laughs> and Shutter Island especially, there's a stark 
contrast you get two hours into it and you realize kind of where you started and where you are now and how everything's different and it wasn't <laughs> like to... a sudden change it's just kind of fl- you flowed into this new completely it, it just happened place. yeah shutter island you don't realize that things have escalated mm-hmm. until it's already like oh everything has hit the fan now and you yeah. just then realize that it has been for a while yeah <laughs> like Wait a minute, because usually in stories, there's like one clear defining moment Mm -hmm. where you can say, "Okay, here's the part where everything shifts. Shutter Island is not one of those. It's pretty much like Mm -hmm. they show up to the island. (laughs) Right. And And things get weirder and weirder. Um, So just recapping what Shutter Island's about is these two u.s marshals mm-hmm. show up to this island that's a uh that's home to this psychiatric institute for the criminally insane so yeah. they are violent criminals that are very mentally unwell yeah uh, primarily a an incarceration facility a prison but yeah with a focus on kind of psychiatry and it's yeah an asylum, mental rehabilitation and yeah uh so they show up because a patient has vanished mm-hmm. from the grounds and because it's a federal institute, the federal government is stepping in to investigate. Yeah. So Leonardo DiCaprio and Mark Ruffalo, who dude, <laughs> I know we've mentioned it before. Yeah. But Mark Ruffalo is one of the most like, I feel underrated, mm-hmm. great actors. He's so good. Yeah. All the time. I agree. <laughs> He's so good. Yeah, I'm a big fan. But yeah, so they show up to the island to to investigate and try and find this missing patient. And mm-hmm. as I said before, they show up to the island and it's like immediate. You posted yeah. the the little clip of the lady <laughs> in the yard doing this. Sh- yeah. That's One of like, the scariest parts of the whole movie. Right, and it's five minutes into the movie. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, that lady is so scary. She's like balding. She has like a scar on her throat where she's yep. like that had slit her own throat probably because she's crazy and <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, yeah, I remember the first time I saw the trailer for it. The marketing mm-hmm. for this movie was really interesting because it was marketed mm-hmm. as More a horror. straight horror film yeah Yeah. but this is one of those instances where kind of off marketing actually worked in its favor Mm -hmm. because you go to see it and you realize that it's such a deeper story and Mm -hmm. the more re realistic aspect of it is way more frightening than any potential like supernatural aspect to it yeah 100 percent. yeah big part of the story or contributor of the story is the context so it's set in 1954 uh pretty recent after world war ii everybody involved is kind of coming out of that served in it been around it and that's an important time frame for asylums and psychiatric care where they're trying to transition from the old ways kind of the dark ages where there's some you know barbaric acts of lobotomizing people and experimenting on people against their will because they're the crazies or the outcasts of society that nobody really cares what's happening in these places so uh 
Ben Kingsley's character, Dr. Collier, it seems to be that he he describes wanting to actually try to treat people and help people and not use those uh, last resort things as a first response, actually try to listen to them and help them and heal them, ideally. And so they're trying to go into, like I guess, this new era of mental health and, yeah. and like kind of walking a fine line because if they do it badly, then everybody who's supporting the old ways will say, hey, look, see, that doesn't work or uh, it's more dangerous or whatever, so let's just keep uh, lobotomizing people. Yeah, he uh, <laughs> Ben Kingsley's character is so good. He plays him so well mm-hmm. because your first time watching that movie, fuck it. Anytime you watch this movie, <laughs> yeah, for the first half of the film, you genuinely feel like, oh, you're sinister. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's something bad going on here. Mm-hmm. And it's always such a shame that there's not. <laughs> you're like, I don't trust you. Yeah. Oh, damn it. I should have trusted you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm constantly struggling with I because he does come across as brilliant and creepy. I mean, Ben Kingsley does that a lot. He does that in a lot of characters yeah. Yeah. Um, and he's great at it. And so, yeah, you you the more I watch it, the more I'm like, I want to trust you. Like, I do think <laughs> that your heart's in the right place, but also. It, you might be lying. Like you could very easily be lying to <laughs> right. me right now. At no point, no matter how many times I've watched this movie, mm-hmm. at no point have I ever been like, "Oh yeah." <laughs> I'm constantly like, mm, "Keeping my eye on you, man. I yeah. Don't trust you. I just don't." Hundred percent. But yeah, he's like, he even has a line early in the film of saying, "I've got this crazy notion of actually trying to help rehabilitate and actually try to mm-hmm. help." And try and get away from the barbaric acts. So he's almost his character is on like this mission, yeah, of trying to prove that updated ways can work. Yeah, and he's like constantly fighting that battle. Mm-hmm. Which again, multiple viewings, folk. There's so many little like <laughs> facial tics and like mm-hmm. I'm, just, I'm telling you, I can't get over how good the subtle acting is in yeah. shutter Island cannot get over it. It might be yeah. my favorite part of the whole movie. Yeah, I agree. It's really, really incredible. Um, I don't know if you, I know you read a lot of books. I don't know if you've yes. read the book itself <clears throat> or no, any of other, I, any of the other books. Dennis Lee Han Lee Hain has written mystic river I, gone, baby gone live by night. I mean, I love the movies. Maybe mm-hmm. I should read the books. Um, it's one that I just haven't gotten around to. I've always wanted to, kind of like Fight Club. Yeah. Where I've always been curious. I'm kind of nervous to read it, though, just in case, like, mm-hmm. the added details or the added story to the book, because obviously mm-hmm. books are way more in depth. Uh, I don't know how I would respond to the book having knowing everything that's going on in the movie yeah um also i would almost be afraid that the ending would be ruined even if they're the same ending Mm -hmm. just because i really love the subtlety in the film's ending and i don't Mm -hmm. know that i need like a descriptive right kind of set up for it so i, believe, I don't know i haven't I believe, read it i've been curious but i believe they're different um 
what I was reading. Well, I know the, the, the final the line of the movie is not a part of the book. Yeah. But I don't know that the rest of the ending is Fair point. different. I think yeah. a lot of... So when I think of the ending, I think of the very ending. I think of the last line, which we'll get to that, later. That final line. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. And how subtle it is, <laughs> is my favorite part. That's the that's the one that completely changed everything for me, the, like the third time I watched it. But yeah. there's, there's also like the pre-ending, which is the whole lighthouse thing, where that's where, yeah. like I guess, the big reveal is. And it might make sense to talk about that first because i think spoiling that or at least talking about that that's what mostly changes how you view everything leading up to it right does right. that make sense i mean none of our deep dives ever like follow an order <laughs> yeah i think it was fight club that we spoiled immediately like <laughs> out of the gate yeah like, yeah I think welcome to movie to. boners tyler durden is a fiction <laughs> <laughs> Yep. A figment of imagination. <laughs> exactly. Um, so in Shutter Island, so spoilers. If you are still listening, you should be convinced by now to watch it. Spoilers now. We're getting into it. Heavy spoilers. So in Shutter Island, it follows these two marshals. It follows Teddy Ed, uh, Teddy Daniels, who's Leonardo DiCaprio. He ends up be having actually been a patient at Ashcliffe. He's told by the doctors let's be precise he's told by the doctors that he's a patient at Ashcliffe and that he is actually um the guy that he's actually he'd been searching for who he thinks burned down his house um he's actually uh, andrew latis mm-hmm. that that he's the one in the same that he created teddy daniels as like a personality or a delusion to block out living with the f- reality basically which his reality Mm-hmm. man <laughs> worth blocking out for sure yes i have i can handle a lot of stuff um his reality when you finally see it because there's so many hints to it there's so many like mm-hmm. i guess uh i just lost what i was going to say anyways they they basically are they spend the whole movie telling you mm-hmm what his backstory is mm-hmm. but you never know it right and so when you finally see it happen it's so devastating and DiCaprio does such a great job like when he sees the bodies in the pond mm-hmm. his immediate complete like disbelief and breakdown and Leonardo DiCaprio okay mm-hmm. when you talk Leo right his voice, when he screams, when mm-hmm. he's shouting, when he's having like an emotional scene where he's breaking down, his voice has such a unique crack in it. Mm-hmm. Like it, it has yeah. that shriek to it that just, man, it's affecting, <laughs> you know? It's yeah. so like, it sends chills through you. And as he's holding his daughter and trying to wipe her hair away and mm-hmm. breathe into her. God damn, dude. Watching <laughs> that is just like, I don't know yeah. how I would ever respond. Obviously, I never want to know right. how I would respond. Mm-hmm. Um, but his whole like just dumbfounded, complete emotional exhaustion. <laughs> he mm-hmm. shoots his wife. I'm like, yeah, I 
I'd probably kill her too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's such a like you mentioned affecting scene. It kind of shatters your soul where he gathers all three of his children in his arms in the water and just like screams at the sky and it yeah. is it's incredible. And he's trying to like wade through the water carrying their bodies and he's trying to lay them down nicely in the grass mm-hmm. and he starts like massaging his daughter's foot and you're mm-hmm. like this is so sad yeah <laughs> that doesn't even do it just it's yeah heartbreaking to watch right uh but yeah the big reveal of him at being a patient i remember watching it that first time and kind of being like i think this movie's gonna have a twist ending but i have no idea how they'll pull off mm-hmm. whatever the twist will be mm-hmm. you know whether it's kind of what they allude to a lot where yeah he's being uh put under like uh psychohypnosis you know they're giving him the Mm -hmm. the narcotics yeah which is a terrifying thing because coming out of world war ii if you know any of the like how do we enhance soldiers what do we do i mean the military (laughs) has some very shady Mm -hmm. experiments especially (laughs) during the world war ii yeah yeah, and especially U.S. government facilities that took all of these Nazi scientists that were like, hey, we realize you're Nazis, but now you're going to work for us and yeah. do stuff for us now. Like, th- this is real things. I mean, the movie's not real things, but right. experiments on humans with mm-hmm. very shady shit, mm-hmm. very real thing. <laughs> yeah, trying to create super soldiers and all kinds of crazy stuff. Yeah, Um so I had wondered, like, are they going to do that? And then he's going to be, like, put out in the world, mm-hmm. being this conditioned person. What's going on? Uh, but the big twist of, oh, you were a patient. Mm-hmm. Here's your story. I remember being happy about that and just being like, it fits so well. Yeah. And at first I thought that first viewing, though, although I felt it, it fit the story really well and that kind of twist mm-hmm. works really well. At the same time, I was like, but I don't understand how any of the rest of the movie worked because he rode in on the ferry. He rode in, Mm -hmm. he did all this. And then you watch it the second time and you're like, God damn it. (laughs) None of this is happening. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's it's amazing that you mentioned all of the things that kind of lead up and hint at his reality, his real, his real past. Um, are intentionally placed there by the hospital staff because they are putting on this role play, this ruse to let him kind of live out his delusion to help him come to grips with reality. Like if he investigates it and finds it, maybe that will solidify his reality, um, which is an interesting uh, way to do it. Ben Kingsley's character, Dr. Colley talks about that we're taking a risk by doing this because if it doesn't work, uh, we, we all of the people that are support just just lobotomize him, throw him away, lock him forever. Right. Um, they are now right because they let him run around for two days. He beats some people up, could end up killing someone. So they're taking a huge risk by like playing this out. But it's an interesting way to do it, and they plant a lot of different seeds to help him find uh, his reality, come to grips with his children, his wife, and some Planting. of it. So yeah, some of it is like it's hard to tell what is scripted, planned role play seeds, and some yeah. of it is 
a lot of it seems to be his own internal delusion that's leading him in a certain direction. <laughs> to say that, I mean, there are parts that, yeah, they are planting little things here and there. Mm-hmm. Others are so blatant. It's really early on. It's like the first file he's given. Mm-hmm. And the first thing he sees is a photograph of his dead daughter, which to right. you, that first viewing, you don't realize that's his kid until later on. But yeah, it's Rachel's daughter, this it's, fic- fictional patient. Yeah, it's the first thing he's shown on the island. And you're like, mm-hmm. oh, my God. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What were you going to do if he snapped out about it right there? Right. Uh, but this is like. That second, third, the multiple viewing kind of thing. This is where this becomes really important to me. Mm -hmm. Because you watch Kingsley, you watch Ruffalo, you watch everyone that's in the scene. Mm -hmm. I know DiCaprio is your your focal point. He's the central character. You're supposed to follow him. Mm -hmm. But I find myself more times than not Mm -hmm. watching everything in the background. And obviously watching DiCaprio as well, but I'm really focusing on all the background things because there's so many eye glances, little like Mm -hmm. smirks or frowns all shared between these guys. And it's so Mm -hmm. well done that (laughs) your first time watching it, you're just taking it as, oh, they're just because we're people. We look around. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's how you kind of take it that first time. But you, after you've seen it and you know everything, you're like, oh, my God, they're all silently communicating with each other. Mm-hmm. This is so crazy. Yeah, the very beginning <laughs> when they get to the island, all of these armed guards are there. And they, and DiCaprio mentions people are kind of on edge. And uh, you assume as the viewer watching it the first time that, oh, it's because this patient escaped. They're like they don't know what's going on and also to build tension like there's something maybe crazy or weird going on uh maybe supernatural you don't even know at that point but (laughs) rewatching it you're like they have this prisoner that they just like let out who they say is the most dangerous prisoner on the island yeah he's one of the worst (laughs) and they just like kind of let him out and do whatever he wants for a couple of days and so everybody's very much on it just kind of watching that so you can see i definitely do what you do where i watch the background and all of the guards are kind of behind him not really around mike ruffalo's character yeah and I love watching. So you learn, obviously, at the end that Mark Ruffalo's character is one of the doctors there, his personal, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio character's personal physician. And watching him is like my favorite because he's like following <laughs> him around, calling him boss, like asking him. They're new partners, like they've never worked together, obviously. Um, and so that's why Leonardo DiCaprio's character, Teddy, believes it. But it's interesting watching him because the first time you think, oh, he's letting leo take the lead like he's the lead investigator or whatever he's kind of when the when the um assistant warden or deputy warden says he needs to take their guns uh mark ruffalo doesn't like do anything he just kind of watches to see what teddy will do and it's interesting you you think that oh he's letting him take the lead he decides if we go home or continue but rewatching it after you know he's actually just a doctor he's kind of analyzing what Teddy's going to do? Is he going to snap? Is he going to freak out? Is he going to comply? And then there are hints that maybe he, Mark Ruffalo's character is not really a cop because he like can't get his like holster off. He can't <laughs> give him his gun because if you wore a gun every day for work, you would take it off and on every day. You'd be used to it. You would not, it would not be difficult yeah. for you to do. So there's all kinds of little hints. And well, I just he also that. has like. <clears throat> He kind of leads DiCaprio as well. Like if it's moments where they're trying to get him to mm-hmm. 
start coming into terms or start trying to figure things out, he'll like subtly like, mm-hmm. no, we, like maybe we should check this out, boss. Or yeah, what do you think about this mm-hmm. over here? <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, yeah, absolutely. It, yeah. And that first time you see it, you really do take Ruffalo completely as, oh, you're, you're kind of green. Mm-hmm. You're especially like green to being his partner. He's mm-hmm. already kind of, I don't know about you. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, you take it as he's just kind of hanging back because DiCaprio is the boss. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, oh, no, I agree. He's, he's analyzing. They're trying to figure out and anticipate what the next move will be. or mm-hmm. If this is working, st- if he believes it. Yeah. How do we start steering him? When do we start steering him? Yeah. There's a lot of, after you learn everything, I think one of the more intense scenes <clears throat> is between Teddy and the the warden in the Jeep. Yeah. Because the warden picks him up. Oh, there you are. <laughs> and he has like this whole spiel of uh, God's gift of violence and... Mm-hmm. Well, you're a violent man. And he's like, no, I'm not. He, yeah, you are. You're like, <laughs> just because he's a marshal? <laughs> of yeah. course, that's before you learn everything. After you learn everything, you're like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's a very violent patient. He's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that conversation happens pretty much towards the end. And it kind of mimics or mirrors a conversation that happens at the very beginning when they show up and he talks to that German doctor. And he yeah. says that both of the marshals are men of violence. He says, I'm not saying you're violent men. I'm just saying you're men who are, obviously, you've been in the war. You are familiar with violence. You're, like, flexible or capable if you need to be. And so, and Teddy, he they talks a lot about Teddy's defense mechanisms, who's, like, he's, like, diverting those personal reflections on him away and, like, um, turning it around on this German, potentially Nazi psychiatrist. Right. And it, that, that is a interesting thing as well. And they have a conversation later on, not really about violence, but about um, monsters where he's like, you have this trauma and uh, trauma because of these dreams or your dreams are a reflection of your trauma. And yeah. they, they talk about, I'm trying to remember, they talk about like uh, your dreams, dreams can kind of create monsters. And if you should stop, a monster if you're able to or whatever and they both kind of agree and then he stabs him in the neck with that thing <laughs> yeah with the sedative yeah <laughs> yeah that one of my favorite little things in that movie and again there's sounds like a broken record player but uh Another fun little detail for me of like them trying to kind of steer, but not com- not make it obvious. Mm-hmm. And you take it as, oh, their their clothes are just wet from the storm. Mm-hmm. But one of my favorite things is him being handed his actual like patient uh, garb, yeah, like the, the sweatpant, you know, the <laughs> the outfit. It's almost like a we should probably. Mm-hmm. get him into this soon we're gonna have to do something soon i love mm-hmm. how the the orderly like 
here you go. Mm-hmm. Your suit will be dry at some point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> Which means you'll probably never get it back. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's that's that's a really interesting part. Um all of the like so my favorite, I guess, part of the movie is a combination of we mentioned the music, but mm-hmm. the imagery throughout the movie is just amazing and the imagery of like their present reality on the island with the storms and with the creepy ladies with the throat slut and all that stuff um she's only in it for that one scene i know it's kind of a waste but it it is very effective for like the five seconds you see her true true um but all of the all of his like flashbacks i guess Mm -hmm. uh there's a combination of flashbacks and visions on the island of his wife who's obviously not there and um andrew latis or who this guy who has like a scar across his face who's kind of morphs during the conversation there's my favorite like scene of the whole movie is kind of right in the middle actually i have two favorite scenes and they're both kind of related the first favorite scene is the first one where you meet his wife and he like she confronts him she is like you've been drinking and then then things just start getting like this seems normal and they're carrying on like a normal conversation and then like ash starts falling yeah and- the ash starts to fall and she starts leaking blood yeah she, she like <laughs> she like walks to the window and turns around and her back is like carved out and like uh like charcoal kind of like yeah it's all charred and burned yeah Yeah. and then yeah and then they're holding her and she's like has water pouring out of her and then she's like constantly becoming more and more wet and like moist like you know what i mean and uh and then she just like then it's like the whole apartment's covered in ash and then everything's on fire and then she becomes like ash and just like dissolves away while he's holding her the where that scene starts and where that scene ends is incredible to me for like (laughs) oh yeah it's like a less than 60 second scene probably and visually it's amazing and the music of course is my favorite yeah visually it's one of the most like that image sticks with you of him Mm. holding her kind of he's hugging her from behind Mm. and she turns into ashnua's arms but he like holds his pose Mm. as she dissolves away yeah it's such a cool i always feel compelled to pause it just to appreciate it yeah but i don't want to ruin like (laughs) how the rest is gonna go so i don't pause it yeah (laughs) it may be one of my favorite scenes of all time honestly it's such a good scene what was your other one and then the other one is um I, i had it a second ago what was it oh god i'm like forgetting more the more i think about it that might mean i'm crazy (laughs) <laughs> this is where it starts uh, I don't remember <laughs> I'm gonna give up looking <laughs> you forgot your second favorite scene I think so I'll probably damn, remember dude. it later <laughs> damn I'll remember it I'll probably remember it when you bring it up later oh you're expecting me to bring it up you probably will at some point oh, I'll be okay. like oh that was the scene I was talking about I, I love like twist movies I know they became very common from like the sixth sense mm-hmm. throughout 
the 2000s. <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> just like you went to a movie. If it was an action movie, a thriller or a drama, chances were you were going to have a twist. Right. Uh, how the characters respond to said twists have always been very interesting to me. And this one has one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. It's not even like the twist. It's kind of a precursor, but the lighthouse. So DiCaprio bursts in. And all you see is Kingsley sitting at a nice desk Mm -hmm. waiting for him. And then he like, he's checking behind a door. He's got the rifle and all Kingsley tells him is the rifle's not loaded, by the way. Mm -hmm. DiCaprio's response where he like checks it and it realizes it's empty, but his whole, it's from his back, but his whole like body language of pure Mm -hmm. confusion and anger. Mm -hmm. I love that because he just like, Tears it open and just, damn it! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Love it. But this was, I'm glad the movie came out when it did because I feel had they made it earlier like they had originally wanted to, mm-hmm. I kind of feel it may have gotten caught up into all of the like, oh, it's just another movie with a twist ending. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad that it didn't get caught up in that because the twist is so well executed yeah and so well planned out of course the twist to me is like how everyone in the background has been orchestrating everything i just i love that yeah oh my god i love that yeah yeah and it's it's awesome how how you you start out thinking it's a pretty basic mystery story about these detectives investigating this disappearance and then as things kind of go and new th- new questions are arisen, um, it leads him towards this realization that nothing is what it seemed. And I, I was like those kinds of movies. I think that's oh, interesting. Yeah. But oh, it, yeah. it's it's it does such a good job, I guess, of playing the first path from his perspective that he is very much in, deeply embedded in this delusion and everything that he does everything that he sees is based on i am a marshal investigating this girl's disappearance and then as he gets more and more towards the end he gets more comfortable even i guess subconsciously with being the same person as andrew latest like he he does a lot of things like uh in the first half first part Uh, He doesn't ever light a match. Like when he lights his own cigarettes, he never lights his own cigarettes. So everybody else is lighting matches for him because he has like a detachment from Andrew Latis because he thinks that he was a pyromaniac that burned down his house. And then as it gets like later on when they go into Ward C, he's like lighting a match in order to see constantly. And he gets just kind of more and more comfortable with merging those two personalities, which is interesting. Yeah, and I think using the, the match striking as kind of your bridge mm-hmm. of bringing those two together. I th- I like that idea. It's one of the most subtle. Most audience members probably aren't going to start noticing or catching on to that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it took me a while to kind of realize like he doesn't light a match until halfway through the film, mm-hmm. but he smokes constantly <laughs> throughout right. the movie yeah <laughs> um oh one of my favorite shots speaking of him smoking yeah is the uh the reverse 
smoke. Yes, that is the scene I was going to mention. Oh, there you go. Okay. I knew you would mention it. (laughs) Yeah, that whole segment. So he had just met who he thinks is Andrew Latus, has a giant scar across his face, plays with, like, kind of plays with fire, offers to match, asks him, like, no hard feelings. And then the scene kind of changes all of a sudden, and it's Chuck, his partner, Mark Ruffalo, standing there, says something about they're running out of time. And then you hear a scream, and he turns, and Rachel's standing there, completely covered in blood. And then, yeah, yeah that's there's I think there's two shots of Teddy, like, close up, and it's in reverse. So the smoke is going back into his cigarette instead of uh, normal time, normal speed. And it's such a, because they do, like, there's that, that close-up of him where you see it, the close-up of the smoke going back into the cigarette. And then they do that wide shot from above, mm-hmm. and there's like the way the cloud of smoke mm-hmm. hovers over him, and the mixed with the close-up, that whole sequence, yeah, is so odd and off-putting mm-hmm. that you're like, "What the fuck kind of story <laughs> am I in right now?" Yeah, and then you find out like 45 minutes later what story you're in. Yeah. You're like, the- Fuck. Yeah, yeah. It pretty much exactly tells you what the movie is because Rachel is a, I guess, a, what's the word like a not a totem but like a a replacement for his wife Dolores. Yeah. Who, uh, so she's standing there covered in blood and he's looking at her and the smoke's going back into a cigarette and then he looks down and there's like the three children on the ground they're all bloody and he like goes and picks up the girl and carries her away and she's dead but she's talking to him she's like I'm dead. And he's like, I know, I'm sorry, I couldn't like save you and whatever. And so it's a very surreal kind of scene, I guess. Yeah. But very, just some of the best visual imagery. It's amazing. It. Yeah, the visuals in this movie, I love them. Mm-hmm. And I love knowing how much of it is like, because there's some shots where you're like, well, that's obviously like green screen. Mm-hmm. And your first viewing might be, oh, I hate it when it's so obvious. And then when you see it more often, you're like, oh, I get it. Mm-hmm. Everything is so like, I love how everything has such a tight purpose. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think so. I absolutely love how, how the whole movie was just kind of like planned out. And I love all the decisions that Scorsese and his team made mm-hmm. to really immerse you kind of in the story of teddy but not teddy Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) yeah andrew yeah yeah his conversation with like you find out about latest and uh the mystery um right how does kingsley put it where he's like oh it was like two weeks ago a patient attacked yeah this guy horrifically yeah scarred him beat him up there's a there's a (laughs) mystery 67th inmate that they're not talking about and so they well they very early on find a note in rachel's room that says what the rule of what's the rule of four and who's 67 and then they discover they've only been talking about 66 patients and so there must be a 67th one um which you don't find out until the end is Andrew Latis, Leonardo DiCaprio's character. 
Right. <laughs> Which I've always loved. Okay, so when he finds the note. Mm-hmm. I mean, he goes straight to it. Like, he pushes the bed away from the wall and immediately goes down. But what I love about that scene is how quick and, like, I don't want to say concern, but the reaction from Ben Kingsley, because he sees him go to the <laughs> bed and, like, push it. And he has this immediate, like, oh, God. <laughs> it almost like, oh, he found the note too quick. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, I do love, because I remember, like, trying to figure out for most of the movie, even after you learn, Mm -hmm. because even the reveal scene, it's a pretty long reveal scene. Yeah. It might be one of the longest ones. Yeah. Uh, But I remember trying to figure out, like, but who's this chick that he's thought was... Mm -hmm. Rachel Solando this whole time like mm-hmm. where did she come from or is she actually fabricated and then he wakes up and she's his nurse mm-hmm. and you're like oh that poor child <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah and th- this is probably a good time to bring this up so Emily Mortimer who I love she plays Rachel one there's two yeah. two Rachels in the movie too. And uh, she's kind of the main one that the, he's showing the photos of. He thinks he's looking for. He thinks she killed her kids. Finds out at the end, oh, she's just a nurse. Like a lot of these people seem to just be staff or nurses or orderlies yeah. um, who are there playing patients to point him in the right direction. They're role, part of the role play. But at one point, he goes to the cliffs and finds a, a cave, and there's another. There's a woman in there also called Rachel, Rachel too. And they have a very interesting conversation about insanity and how if you, once you're deemed to be insane, everything you do is another reason or proof that you're insane. Like you can't ever deny being insane once you're labeled that. It's added proof or added confirmation. She even says like every time you try to tell people I'm not crazy, Mm -hmm. it just builds up your craziness even more yeah and that's the conversation where you learn about like she tells him you haven't taken any like pills from them have you Mm -hmm. have you been smoking your own cigarettes Mm -hmm. and she tells him that they've been doing like the experiments on people Mm -hmm. and on patients to control and she's like they're never gonna let you leave which she's right when she says that (laughs) because they're not gonna let him leave yeah Uh, So do you think that she is a a real person? The cave scene always throws me off. Yeah. And the cave scene is actually the part of this story that I would be most curious Mm -hmm. to read in the book. If it's in the book. Yeah. I would be too. Um, Because it's the one I don't know where I fall, really. I go back and forth with it constantly i want to believe ben kingsley's character when he says rachel doesn't exist we made her up and she's just a figment of your imagination and part of the part of the role play but i think that he must be talking about the nurse rachel obviously yeah why is there another rachel solando living in caves moving every day so they don't find her who used to be a doctor there she's not just a crazy patient she became a crazy patient well became a patient who they call crazy may or may not be crazy and 
<laughs> may or may not exist. Yeah. And so <laughs> I've, I, I kind of believe that maybe she's, because she kind of points him in the direction that he should go. She points him to go into the lighthouse. She tells him about all this stuff. He could be a product of his delusion. The thing that makes me think that she's not a delusion is when he sleeps in the cave and wakes up the next day, she's still there. And she like wakes mm-hmm. him up and they talk a little more. If she was gone, I would be like, 100%, she's a delusion. But yeah. because he sees her again, for some reason, I'm like, she has to be, like, real for some reason. So, I'm... I kind of feel that she would be real. And she's the one character the movie never gives you a confirmation on her. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the only time you see her. Mm-hmm. That's it. Um Part of me wants to say she's real because she does kind of embed that, like, don't go to the lighthouse. Mm-hmm. Bad things are at the lighthouse. Mm-hmm. Clearly, he's going to go to the lighthouse. Yeah, that's like <laughs> the exact opposite of what you should have said if you actually didn't want him to go there. Right. And she sells it really well. Yeah. Um. But then again, part of me, I don't know. I'm constantly back and forth with her. I have yet to make my decision on whether she's real or not. Yeah. Because I think her whole spiel of like, they're just doing experiments. They're just Mm -hmm. drugging patients and drugging people. Mm -hmm. To me, that's almost his psychosis trying to fight back, kind of knowing he's going to stumble onto something. Yeah. He's not ready to learn. Yeah. And so that's like a a defense almost. Mm Mm-hmm. And there is proof of that. I mean, they tell him later on that he has been drugged for the last two years as like a way to keep him calm. And so he's dealing with withdrawals because they stopped, basically. Okay. We got to touch on that here in a minute. (laughs) But with Rachel, too, part of me thinks she's real and still a doctor. Mm -hmm. And she was just playing her role. Okay. Because uh, I've also tried, been trying to figure out, like, was his climb to and from the cliff mm-hmm. real? Yeah. And this is one of those editing sequences that gets really interesting, mm-hmm. you know? Because he climbs the rocks pretty easily. Yeah. And without too much, like, he just kind of shows up. Right. Now, that could just be pacing or whatnot, but I don't know. And also the reason he climbed down in the first place is kind of weird. He thinks he sees Chuck's body down there and then he climbs down and he's not there anymore. And then he sees all those rats and then he sees her cave and he goes up to it. So it's a little, it's tricky because there are a lot of, I guess, not supernatural, but like fantasy, mental images that he projects into the real world Mm -hmm. of his wife and daughter who's dead walking around and um, all this stuff. But most of the times that he's in a delusion or in a fantasy, it's pretty fantastic. It's pr- there are things that like ash falling from the sky, and there there right. are weird things going on that you're like, oh, this isn't real. But then there are a lot of scenes where pretty much everything seems normal and real, and so you tend, I tend to assume this is a real conversation with a real person. But I guess I don't know that. I, it could not. Be. Yeah, this and she's the only part of the whole movie mm-hmm. that they give zero explanation or zero. I mean, they never even go back to her. It's yeah. 
the last time you see her, she's putting a cardigan on mm-hmm. and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> and she tells him, you got to go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I'm back and forth. Yeah. Constantly with that one. Uh, I'd be curious to know what other people think if she's real or not. Yeah. Give us your opinions for sure. Um, the withdrawals. Yes. This is one of the details, if not the detail of the movie. I'm constantly just in awe of how I never caught on and how no one mm-hmm. ever caught on. Mm-hmm. Because he ex- he starts experiencing withdrawals very early on in the movie. The he very first like scene headaches. in the, yeah. on the ship, on the boat. Yeah, he's like shaking. He's got the headache already starting and he's getting the migraine that's starting to build up mm-hmm. he's easily agitated he's like he kind of feels and looks like shit the whole time yeah and i love that with rachel too in the cave she tells him like oh that's the drugs mm-hmm. that's how it starts and then the big reveal comes up and they're like yeah you've been on this drug for two years and you are not on it mm-hmm. you're going through withdrawals and it Every time he says that, immediately I'm like, God damn it, it's so obvious. (laughs) They just gave you all the symptoms of withdrawal. Yeah. And no one ever fucking caught on to it. And they don't even try to be subtle about it. It's like close-ups of the shaking. Mm -hmm. They even sit him down. Are you having a migraine? Yeah. Yep. Okay, (laughs) so you need to take these and you need to drink some water. You need to rest. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty... It's crazy. That's, I think that's why it rewards multiple viewings because you're like, oh, wow, this whole thing that I had totally written <laughs> off is uh, pretty impactful. It's a it's a pretty important detail. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can't come up with like <laughs> anagrams of my name, all right? Yeah. That's like... <laughs> Especially four of them. That's like the most, um, I guess, kind of weird. So when they first reveal the what is the rule of four or law of four? I think they call it Um, when they reveal in the lighthouse that, Oh, this is your law of four. It's that there are four names and two of them are anagrams for the other two. And so your wife's maiden name is Rachel Solando, like mixed up. And then your name, Andrew Latus is Teddy uh, Daniels mixed up. And I, I guess that makes sense. It's just, I wouldn't call that a law of four. I, it doesn't mean anything to me other than, <laughs> I guess I expected it to mean something else or more obvious based yeah, on. Instead of just like the names. It's guess it's a, a mysterious way to describe it, to call it the law of four, but yeah, it's just it's intrigue. It's just four names and two of them are similar to two others. Well, what's funny about that is you kind of forget about the law of four. Yeah. Because they only focus on who is 67. Right. And then when you see the four names, you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's enough enough to pay off. Uh, the other interesting favorite part that gets kind of paid off in the lighthouse, but happens quite a bit earlier, is the scene with... Uh, was his name George Noyce? Something Noyce. I think it's George Noyce. Um, but it's uh, with that that character that he had mentioned previously. He mentioned that he knew a guy who was like serving a life sentence and told him about the island. 
And then when he mm-hmm. finally goes to uh, cell block C or whatever it's called, um, when everything's kind of shut down and the fences are off and the doors are off, um, he meets he meets Noyce in the dark, who's like all beat up, and yeah. he tells him that he did it, and he takes it as oh, you you were responsible for it because you like let me come here or whatever. And it, he's he's played by Jackie is Jackie Earl Haley, who I love. I've loved since I think I've maybe first saw him in Watchmen, but um, he's always such an incredible character actor. Yeah, and the way yeah, he's, he uh, the way he talks, the way he delivers lines is amazing. He's intense, and in like everything I've seen him in, mm-hmm. he is intense. Yeah, and, <laughs> like. Every time I see his name included in a cast list, it's very like, ooh, mm-hmm. that'll be fun to watch. <laughs> ooh, he'll be neat to see. Yeah. Ooh. And yeah, I think my actual introduction to him was Watchmen as well. Mm-hmm. So I constantly have that like, oh, Rorschach. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I always love that. <laughs> but he, do- he does such a like an interesting job of Again, it's kind of a time when shit's kind of kicking off and Teddy's separated from Chuck, his doctor, who's supposed to be like escorting him around. So you don't really know are the things that are even on repeat viewings after you know what's going on. You don't know. Is this part of the role play or is this like is he helping? Um, Because in the lighthouse. Dr. Collie, Ben Kingsley's character, has a transcript of like everything they talked about. And is it because it was scripted or just because they have like surveillance equipment in the 50s that they were listening and knew everything they talked about? It's hard. I kind of feel his interaction in Cell Block C mm-hmm. was not necessarily a part of it. Yeah. Uh, I think everything is under surveillance constantly. That would make sense considering it's a federal mm-hmm. penitentiary. It's just for like a psychiatry yeah. hospital. Um, and I also think because of how soon the lighthouse happens after that, mm-hmm. I almost feel like his interaction in cell block C was what made them decide, okay, we're here. It, everything's about to be opened up because he bursts into the lighthouse mm-hmm. and Kingsley is just waiting for him. Mm-hmm. Like he already knew here he comes here. We... So I kind of feel cell block C was not supposed to necessarily happen, but they had a plan in case it did. Yeah. You know, yeah. cause they're, why would this prisoner who just got the shit kicked out of him, mm-hmm who's been placed in the infirmary who's like had to deal with uh, Andrew Latus yeah. on a very violent level. Why would he be okay with being a part of this ruse? Mm-hmm. You could see him being more of like, no, I'm just gonna, <laughs> <laughs> I have a chance to ruin this guy's life. I'm going to take it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the whole conversation is so interesting to me and the way that he kind of, there are, I guess, kind of double meanings in the things he says. Like he says, yeah. you did this, and and you find out later that, no, he, Teddy Daniels actually, or Andrew Latus actually beat him up. And, and yeah, it's just, it's just 
an interesting part that is again building and building and building towards the climax and yeah. it it helps it move things along so well uh, it's a, such a small scene but it's it's so good and it's partly so good because of jack Earl haley i think <laughs> uh his voice yeah is constantly he's such it's very unique and every time he talks you're like ooh. Mm-hmm. i just i like listening to the dude talk it's weird yeah but <laughs> i know what you mean i feel the same way he delivers his lines especially those like real intense or real um, I don't want to say like sinister kind of line, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Where he's like getting under the skin, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. He's so good at delivering. And it, it's so crazy to me. And it, I guess it's a testament to this crew or the story, the script, whatever. Mm-hmm. Whenever big name actors or people that should be higher on a bill, mm-hmm storm these movies and they only have like a scene you know Mm -hmm. they have like it's basically a glorified cameo but they're in it Mm -hmm. their name is there i love it when that happens because to me i'm always like yeah that just means you were you were excited to work with these people or you were excited for this opportunity to be in this story you know to me you can just tell how kind of the respect for the art yeah. Which is nice. Oh, absolutely. Uh, the the other part that's interesting, talking about people kind of feeding into the ruse, um, mm-hmm. after Teddy comes back from the cave and kind of just shows up back at the main office or asylum or whatever, right. there are all those like doctors and nurses and everybody coming out of like what looks like a meeting or something. And then those first two patients they interviewed are with them. Um, yeah. The one lady that tells him to run and then the other guy who's like kind of a perverted guy. Um, and that indicates to me that they are staff, not necessarily actually crazy people. Yep. Uh, I take that 100% that they are staff. I'm with you on that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone coming out of that room and he even says to Kingsley's character of like, wow. Mm-hmm big meeting <laughs> yep <laughs> like <laughs> yeah uh, i think i love how in the background you catch little glimpses like you can hear little things from the people you can tell everyone's under a lot of stress right now mm-hmm. they want the ruse to end because mm-hmm. they just how much longer can we go on like this? He might violently attack someone yeah. now. The longer it goes on, the higher the probability that's going to end badly, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, the part that gets me, though, during that scene mm-hmm. is the very last shot of that scene of the woman laughing. Yeah. Because you, like, it's she's center, she's laughing, and then it cuts to him moving on. Mm-hmm. Every time I'm like, okay, what is she laughing about? Because she was just crying and saying that she's like, she hates this. Mm -hmm. She doesn't like, she's done. Mm -hmm. (laughs) She doesn't like him being around. And and she's laughing. So I'm like, what do you think she's laughing about? I'm constantly, because I have my idea, but mm -hmm. I want to hear yours. I mean, I've seen people whose cries look like laughing. That's a possibility for sure yeah um 
but I, yeah, I don't, I don't think I read too much into it, mostly because I was focused on the what they talk about right before that. Okay. Where um, Leonardo DiCaprio's character says, "Where's Chuck? Where's my partner?" And Ben Kingsley says, "You don't have a partner. You came here alone." <laughs> right. And, you, and then you're like, "What the fuck is going on?" So I was probably <laughs> totally thrown off. And then Teddy Leonardo DiCaprio was like. Yeah, no, I what what partner? I don't have a partner. He like plays into it, but you can tell he's just we're going for the ride, trying to like smooth things over. Yeah, right. Not like, give away too much. So I was distracted. I don't really have a strong uh, opinion okay. about it. What do you think? I kind of feel like she's laughing because in a situation you have no control on mm-hmm. and if it's really going south, which this whole thing really is. Mm-hmm. My reaction is to just kind of laugh at it. So I kind of take that as she's like being told, hey, we just have to keep going along for a little bit longer. Mm -hmm. And she's just laughing about it because it's so ridiculous. That kind of like uncomfortable laughter. In in a very like kind of scary wake because everyone knows, hey, this dude has a very violent past. Yeah. He could start doing something really bad really soon. Right. No, that's fair. I mean... Luckily, he doesn't, ish. But. <laughs> ish. Yeah, he blows up a car. That's pretty crazy. He does blow up. A, I love that car. Yeah. <laughs> I love. I love. And that scene where, like, he sees his wife there, and she's talking to him the whole time, and she's there, and then this do- the little girl comes over and stands next to her, and you're like, oh, you know each other? Like, all of a sudden, you're putting pieces right. together. But with the way it explodes and engulfs them, and he's like, oh no, and then they're still there, and he's like, oh, that's okay. <laughs> It's, it's just the visuals. So cool. <laughs> so we've talked the ending. We've talked all the little things leading up to it. Yeah. I know you and I have been trying to like <laughs> wait to get to our favorite part. Yeah. I feel like we should probably just get to our favorite. Let's part. do it. So the actual ending of the movie, the big reveal has been said and done. Yeah. He's uh, he's been told like, hey, you've you've made progress before. Nine months ago, we did the same thing, mm-hmm. and you were okay, but you regress. So this is our last effort mm-hmm. to try and show progress or show sustainability. Right. So he's sitting on the stairs. Mm-hmm. And uh, Dr. Sheehan shows up, or Mark Ruffalo, as you learn, that's his actual character. Right. Okay. <laughs> the scene that's up for debate. Yeah. <laughs> to me, not so much a debate. It's pretty obvious to me. It's obvious to but me now. I didn't notice it or didn't understand what that line actually means, the line we're about to talk about. Until like I mentioned, like the third viewing of it, and yeah. so I took it as the very basic, standard, believe what, exactly what you see way. I guess the first couple of times, and then I understood what he, from Teddy's perspective, when he says that, what he means, and I, I now take it, I think, the same way you do, which is that he is entirely lucid, but choosing to pretend to be regressing back into delusion so that they will lobotomize him as a form of, I guess, kind of suicide or so that he doesn't have to 
go through this anymore or go through the trauma and the pain of reliving this as they try to heal him. He'd rather just kill off that side. Yep. Yeah, to me, uh, that first time I saw the movie, him saying that line and then like walking towards the guard and the couple orderlies who are carrying the tools. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, I was like, oh shit, he just chose to do it. Like he's okay, but he chose to do this. Mm-hmm. I love now. I love it more now because finally throughout the whole movie, DiCaprio is very uh, like, he's not subtle in anything he does in the film. He's very abrasive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, he's, he lashes out the whole movie. Yeah. He finally gets his subtle moment where he sees the doctors conversing mm-hmm. off into like the little grassy area. He sees the guard. He sees some of the orderlies. And then Sheehan sits down with him and lights a cigarette. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, I'm like, he made the decision right mm-hmm. there. Like he sat on that stoop knowing what he was about to do. Yeah. It's such a, to me, it's such a like heartbreaking ending. Mm-hmm. It's not a happy ending. Yeah. <laughs> In the least it's, at all. And it's, and pretty much no matter way, which way you take it, it's heartbreaking because he tells Dr. Sheen, or he treats him as Chuck. He says, Chuck, we need to get out of here. They're doing something bad here. Like, so you, you can tell, oh, he's in his delusion again. And then Dr. Sheen kind of motions, yeah, okay, this didn't work. Let's go ahead and do this. And that is sad if you believe that that's the case. But then he says that which would be worse to live as a monster or die as a good man. And then it just kind of yeah. walks off before he gets an answer. And that to me has to mean that he he's choosing to do this. He's choosing oh, yeah. 100%. And that's so... I, I mean, I get it. Partly is also why it's sad. Because <laughs> I can't say but I wouldn't do the same thing. It's it's Right. It's not like it. it's going to end well. It's not like it's a happy ending. Yeah. I, I, I would hope people don't think him or take it as, oh, he's just trying to find peace. Yeah. No, it's basic suicide that he's about to yeah, do. Yeah, he cannot live with he's the, turning himself with the terrible into a vegetable. Yeah, he can't live with the terrible experience, uh, the terrible memory of what his wife did, what he did, and he'd rather just yeah. remove that memory, remove his ability to think and do things. Really, yeah, it's uh, and then right after that is when you get that ominous <laughs> music score, which just is like the nail in the coffin or yeah. tool to the mm-hmm. head. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like an ice pick. Yeah, that whole, their final interaction is so devastatingly good because you feel so bad, or at least I do, for Mark Ruffalo's character mm-hmm. because you can tell, like, this dude is invested into him he is trying and been working with him for so long and trying everything and that look of disappointment when he gets called chuck and he looks over and shakes his Mm -hmm. head i'm constantly like oh man (laughs) oh man and then and then the line and yeah dicaprio doesn't even wait he says it gets up and walks away and there's kind of like a look of 
maybe hope in Mark Ruffalo's face as he's like, right? Because he gets up and does he's that like, mean what, what I think it means? What does that mean? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's just. But to me, it's. I don't debate the ending at all, just because of everything that DiCaprio does in that yeah. scene. Other than just the line, I mean, the way that he like so calmly mm-hmm. walks to the orderlies, lets them surround him. He doesn't even fight. He doesn't do anything. Yeah. He just, and they surround mm-hmm. him. I mean, you see that final shot there, shoulder to mm-hmm. shoulder as they're walking, which away. is also not something he would do based on what he just said, which is like, Chuck, there's weird stuff going on here. We have to like get out of here. Right. He would not, he'd be fighting and running yeah. and, trying to steal another gun that's probably empty right. <laughs> yeah so i i agree it has to be 100 percent the intent i am curious to know where they took him because obviously the lighthouse is not where they do the lamont yeah. uh yeah <laughs> but the lighthouse is the last thing that you see yeah uh, <laughs> it is kind of an ominous shot there yeah i think that that scene's yeah, also that- so interesting um I read a thing that said, so I obviously I don't know that much about psychiatry, but I did read a thing that said, so because most of the movie takes place during this huge, massive storm and it's very chaotic and tumultuous, yep. um, that last scene on the steps is one of the only scenes where it's like sunny and nice. And yeah. there was, a, um, I guess that in itself it can be a reference to Sigmund Freud who described your subconscious as kind of confusing cloudy weather and that's in opposition to the clear skies of your consciousness and so as teddy gains consciousness or or relieves himself of his conscious um that's kind of why it's sunny because he can see things clearly he knows what's going on knows that his delusion has passed but it, it kind of makes it more sad or more it's just yeah there's no there is no way you can look at the ending of Shutter Island and be like, oh, it ends on a good yeah. note. It does not end on a good <laughs> note. Right. <laughs> the good note would be him, like, just sitting in the, the common area mm-hmm. and just, like, being peaceful. That would have been your right. good note. But no, he, to me, he's so lucid. He's so aware of everything. And he has just made that decision. Mm-hmm. I can't live with any of this. So it's either he's going to kill himself mm-hmm. or let them basically do it for him. So he's just going to let them do it yeah. for him, which is just so like, ugh. yeah, it's so sad. that is so sad. <laughs> yeah. The there's like, there's some interesting trivia about the movie as well. So like the rule of four, apparently the title shutter Island is an anagram for, for two things so truths and lies is an anagram for shuttle island mm. as well as truths and the words truths and the words denials combined kind of can also make shutter island which i thought was interesting so they're big huh. if you're into anagrams this movie is right up your alley <laughs> this movie has some of them yeah. for you <laughs> uh did you know the the flashback to the world war Two where they massacre all of the Nazi soldiers. That's actually a real thing. Yeah. Um, 
trying to remember where it happened, but yeah, that that shot is based on an actual of. I don't want to say event, but something that actually happened in World yeah, War Two. That's kind of crazy. Yeah, all the World War Two stuff, again, visually is very interesting and very dark. Obviously, as you're in these Nazi death camps, and there are just bodies that obviously um, match or bear resemblance to his children and all that stuff. But the the way the way that all these people kind of get shot up, the stuff in the office with the papers going everywhere. It's just, it, it's intense. <laughs> it's incredible. It's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This movie, it, it's one of those thrillers and I know both of us had it on our mm-hmm. like thriller yep. list way back in the <laughs> right. day. Go listen to that episode. Uh, yep. <laughs> I'd be curious to listen to it again. And see if we actually repeated anything that we said today. Yeah, I don't even remember. Um, <laughs> it's been so long. Uh, I lost my train of thought. But Oh, that's what it was. Uh, mm. Shutter Island. It's one of the... I mean, if you like thriller films, if you like movies that are just so... Where knowing the ending does not ruin the experience of watching it, because Shutter Island really is one of those few movies that is... It is an experience. It's so uncomfortable right. to watch, and it's a long freaking mm-hmm. movie. <laughs> but also infinitely rewatchable. Well, it's, it's you need to rewatch it. You should be excited to rewatch it because you get to watch everything in the background. Yeah. You need to watch everything in the background. Yeah. I mean, if we're absolutely, honest. you get so much more out of it. It's so good. Uh. Plus, it's kind of funny. I didn't realize this, uh, or maybe I did a long time ago when you brought mm-hmm. it up on your list. Um, until Wolf of Wall mm-hmm. Street, this was Martin Scorsese's highest grossing film of his career. That's crazy. It's crazy that, Isn't yeah, that, that it was so popular, as- especially, I mean, I would, I'm curious how they measure that because Goodfellas is so beloved that you would think that right. it'd be up there. But this was box office numbers, yeah. apparently. This was his highest grossing mm-hmm. until... And that makes me happy Street, that... Which was another team. It makes me happy Leo. that it's so, like, I guess popular. A lot of people saw it because it was certainly certainly yeah. worth seeing in the theater. I'm glad I saw it in the theater. Um, and I'm glad that a lot of people have seen it because it's so good. It really It's... <laughs> and I... I'm a big fan of DiCaprio. Uh, I think the way he has gone about his career post Titanic is so Mm -hmm. great because every guy hated him when Titanic came out because every girl loved him and we were all like, Oh, he's a pretty (laughs) boy. And, and he has gone so far away from being pretty. And none of us were pretty boys, obviously (laughs) at all. At all, but yeah, <laughs> we we didn't have the looks or the makeup artists or the right. hair. <laughs> yeah, he he totally won me over from hating him to absolutely loving him, and it is from taking these kinds of roles, taking roles like The Departed and yeah, and this. Uh, he's such a gritty yeah. actor. I I love the fact that he's constantly 
always open to just be like, oh, you want me to mm-hmm. freak out? Okay, I'm going to do that. Oh, we're going to get dirty on this yeah. one? Cool. <laughs> like, I, I like how dedicated he is to this, to mm-hmm. his craft and the art form of it. And I just, I have a great yeah. respect for him. And I, who would have thought you go from Martin Scorsese and Robert De Niro being like an iconic yeah. duo, right. and they still are. But Leonardo DiCaprio and Martin mm-hmm. Scorsese, man, if you would have mentioned that in like 99 <laughs> or 2000, yeah. you'd be like, no freaking yeah. way. And I think they've done the same amount, if not a little more movies together than Scorsese I think and you're right. yeah. now. Yeah, that's probably, <laughs> at least for maybe our generation, maybe the generation after us, that will be the pairing that people think of. And that's interesting. Yeah, maybe. It's it a is. great pairing. They clearly they work yeah. great together. But all right, I think I think that's it. Yeah, cool. I think that's it. I yeah, think that's all. If I we got. missed anything, if uh, you have thoughts about any of the things we talked about, if you think we're wrong, if you whatever, um, feel free to drop us a line on Facebook or Instagram. You can comment if you want. Maybe try to keep comments spoiler-free, but you can DM us and we'll get into it. Um, or you can call yep, in the yep. show, leave a voicemail, and we'll play it in a future episode and respond then. Yeah. Uh, if you did not see Shutter Island, continue to listen to the episode. Highly encourage you to still yeah. go watch it. Uh, kind of like what we said with Fight Club, I don't think it mm-hmm. would ruin the movie completely for you. Uh, but it is better to watch it when yeah. you don't know, at least for yeah, the first time. Having the spoilers doesn't ruin the movie, obviously, like we said. Um, it does change your experience, and you're only going to have that experience of finding yeah. out what's going on once. Like You're only going to have that the very first yeah. time, so it's kind of special, for sure. So hopefully listening to us, <laughs> Schmucks, was yeah. it your first time? <laughs> I pity anybody that, who I'm the first time for, so... Um. Anyway, <laughs> uh, thank you, everybody, and uh, we'll see you next thank time. Thank you, everyone. Uh, oh, did you want to? We'll oh, yeah. People know what we're. Yeah, you should. Uh, so we've been mentioning it, and you hopefully are staying caught up. I am trying desperately <laughs> to stay on track with being ready for our next episode, but we're gonna be. Well, I've I've got the first yeah. half watched. So I'm ready for the first I do have the first half, half, but I haven't gotten too far into the second half. So I have two weeks to do that. And it's uh, I'm feeling the pressure. Yep. So neck, we're I breaking bet. up. as Over the next two weeks, we're going to be talking about the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe up until this point. Um, yep. So yeah. the first episode is going to be from Iron Man through uh, the second Avengers. Infin- uh, not Infinity War, the other one. Age of Ultron. So... Jake is uh, talking about an order of release Correct. that the movies came out. So he's been watching yeah. them in that yeah. order, right? Whereas I've been watching the... Uh, the canon order? Like the actual timeline. Yeah, the timeline of the MCU. So I started with Captain America going through Avengers 2, okay. Age of Ultron, and continuing that. So it'll be... I'm really mm-hmm. curious to hear... The perspective on the two different because I find myself mm-hmm. having to watch them 
okay in order interesting (laughs) otherwise it's just weird to me yeah and i've never done that so i'm very interested to hear what interesting things you learn by doing that so that'd be cool obviously yeah everybody first saw it in release order because it's the order they were released but so yeah watch all of the marvel movies good luck with that (laughs) just (laughs) dive into the mcu we're trying Mm -hmm. to get them all done in time for black widow next Uh, two episodes much anticipated yeah that should be very interesting i'm a huge fan of uh florence pugh whatever her name is i've never heard it said i've only read it pew uh she's amazing she's her and (laughs) anya taylor joy are like the most incredible generation of actors at this point right now um that would be they should be in a movie together yeah that would be cool yeah, I find myself, uh, I was not excited for Black Widow mm-hmm. for a long time, just because I, I felt it was like a cash grab mm-hmm. for Marvel. Uh, I am mm-hmm. excited for it now, but probably for the <laughs> wrong reason. I'm just excited that Disney decided to be smart and release yeah. it in the theater. So I'm like, hey, I'll get to go and watch a Marvel film mm-hmm. in the theater and not stream it on yeah and it's been a while since since endgame (laughs) so that's interesting it'll it'll definitely be i i agree i wasn't i think a lot of people may have not been that excited also because they were saying early on when black widow was in like maybe the first three or four movies she was in they're like hey why doesn't she have a solo movie yet and now uh you wait until spoiler alert after she's dead uh (laughs) to do it but whatever (laughs) So it'll be interesting. Anyway, that's the reason you should watch the movies because yeah. anyway, we're we'll spoiling so them a lot over the over the next. Your two homework weeks. is uh, watch the first eleven at least. Well, yeah. watch all twenty-two, but try to get the first eleven watched. Uh, we're just mm-hmm. going to be having a fun nerd deep dive into the MCU. Yeah, it's going to be MCU so for the next two weeks. Go do should that. Be exciting. I know it's been a long time coming. Yep yeah oh yeah but i feel like our timing is yeah, pretty good definitely on this one, so. i'm excited uh i <laughs> was gonna mention I, I like your john wick shirt i'm excited for all of the like <laughs> other things that i can't wait to talk about and i know we'll get to talk about them when the yep. next version comes out the next iteration i can't wait to talk about the john wick universe i can't wait to talk about the matrix universe i like we're gonna have to yep. do yep. all those things in the future too so and not too far future. I'm so excited as well. Like I think Matrix Four is either end of this year or maybe early next year. Yeah, I think I thought it was this no, year. No, it's this year. Moved to next year because they were going to be the same, and they didn't want That's that for some reason. Yeah, which I would have gone and seen both on the same <laughs> yeah. day. I would have bought tickets. <laughs> like, hey, what time does this Showtime get out? Right. So I'm going to this. Yeah, one that'd be an intense double feature. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Yep. All right, See everybody. You next time. Uh, let us know what you thought of Shutter Island, and yep. yeah, do all that good stuff on <laughs> yeah. the internet. And we appreciate you listening and following <laughs> and telling people <laughs> yes. that we exist. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Keep it up. All right. See you, everybody. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs>